Hello, and welcome survivors to the Identity of Health podcast. I am the host and founder of Identity of Health, Matt Rowe. During my journey of controlling and reversing my symptoms of MS, I was inspired to meet others who have decided to control and heal disease using unconventional means. During every episode, we are going to hear inspiring stories from those that have gone on to live incredible lives after they have been diagnosed with the disease because they made the choice to survive and thrive and give themselves permission to heal. Today's show is brought to you by Organic Farmers Everywhere and the healthy soils they grow their foods in. It is also brought to you by the book, Identity of Health, Mastering the Mindset to Heal by Matt Rowe. Follow Identity of Health on Facebook, Instagram, and go to my website, identityofhealth.com, and follow my newsletter where I will be your guide on your journey to a healthier life. Now, on to the show. All right. I'm so happy and honored to have to have Elizabeth Yarnell with me today um, on the podcast. So let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. So since being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at age 30, Elizabeth has spent the past 20 years studying how to manage autoimmunity naturally as a board certified naturopath. She's worked with hundreds of MS and other autoimmune sufferers for her nationwide clinic using unique personalized natural therapies to help them slow or even reverse the course of their diseases. She's a TEDx speaker, award-winning author, whose cookbook has sold more than 60,000 copies and a patented inventor and has been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, and PBS, as well as in Good Housekeeping Health, Martha Stewart Living Radio, and many, many other outlets. Welcome, Elizabeth, to the show today. Uh, Matt, you know, I am so excited to be here. This, these year, we're going to talk so much about MS, which is one of my I, should I say favorite or most talked about topics? It, it is. It's one, when you get diagnosed with MS and you're in there and you have to make these choices in your life, it becomes from this, the base of your stomach all the way up to your heart, it becomes your mission. And it becomes your, I know I can do this. I know I can be better and I know I can help so many other people. But I want to take a step back. So when did you first know something was not quite right 20 years ago? All right, so let me um, reach down and see if I can grab my dog to make her stop whining. <laughs> I don't know if you can no hear problem. that whimpering. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth, I'm like at this mo moment, I'm like, nobody come to the door. Because you're just going to hear a dog just go crazy. So yes, and we actually talked about this in the pre-show a little bit. This is life. This is everything that we do love and all of this stuff. And so this is how we run our lives is with the, all the disruptions of children, dogs, life, all of it. So I'm so happy to have him. Is it a him? 
It's a her, actually. I'm so happy to have her on the show as well. She says hello, too. So for me, MS really came on very suddenly. And literally, I went to sleep one night and everything was normal. And I woke up the next day and I was blind in my right eye. And I couldn't figure out what was going on because there wasn't like, it wasn't like I had an injury and there wasn't any pain that I could figure out. It just was like, there's something in my eye and it's blocking my vision. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And my father called, he just happened to call. My father is a neurologist. And so he called and he said, what are you doing? And I said, yeah, I don't know. There's something wrong with my eye and I'm having trouble seeing. And he says, you need to go see the eye doctor right away. And I said, well, I don't even have an eye doctor. And he's like, well, I'm going to make you an appointment with my friend. So he calls me back in five minutes. He's like, you need to go get in your car right now and go down to the eye doctor. And he's waiting for you. And I went into the eye doctor and he examined my eye and he said, you have optic neuritis. He said, if you were a normal patient, I would say, well, let's wait and see how this goes and take some anti-inflammatories. He said, but you know, your father's a neurologist and he suspects that you might have multiple sclerosis. And so he's made an appointment for you right now to go get an MRI, get back in your car, go drive and get an MRI. It literally all happened in the span of a couple hours. It was that quick, like really like doctor's eye appointment right to an MRI. At that mo moment in time, what was going through your head during that moment of time? I can only imagine, I mean, with that rapid fire, you're not getting that time to process what the heck is going on with me. There was no time to process. And in fact, I went directly to the MRI and I had to call my fiance at the time who lived a couple hours away because I was literally packed and ready to drive to, to see him and go to a wedding with him for that weekend. And I... I remember just sobbing on the phone and weaving through traffic and trying to get to the MRI location to go get it. And I said, I, I don't know what's going on, but my dad thinks I maybe have MS and I don't, I'm not going to make it up there to this wedding. And I went and I went into the MRI room and they took me right in. And when I came out in the radiology room where they had at this point, this point, Way back now, MRIs are all digital, but at that point, they they issued like X-ray um, film, basically, and they were yeah. posted all over the four sides of this room. This radiology reading room were slices of my brain, and my father was there, and my mother was there, and my stepfather was there, my stepmother was there, my aunt was there, and um. My father said, okay, well, you see there's this spot, this spot, this spot, 17 scars on my brain. Wow. And he said, I really, I, I think you have multiple sclerosis. And I looked at him and I said, does that mean I'm going to be one of Jerry's kids? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like what I didn't know, right? He's like, no, that's muscular dystrophy. That's totally different. <laughs> It, it, it is. It's like they throw it on you and you're like, what is the worst? Am I going to be this? And that? Because <laughs> not many people, because it's almost like a hidden disease a little bit, unless you see somebody in a wheelchair or with canes and you talk to them about it. But how often do we walk up to somebody and say, hey, why are you in a wheelchair? Right. Oh. Right. Or oh why are you gosh. having trouble walking? Yeah. Right. 
so um yeah so i basically after that i just hold up in my apartment with my fiance and and search the internet but it was 1999 and the internet was in its infancy right it was still a fad and the so my dad sent me actually across the country to go see some ms specialists back in back east and um that turned out to be dr vollmer who then actually came to colorado to and currently i believe runs the colorado the rocky mountain ms center mm-hmm. and um or not the Rocky, yeah, it is the Rocky Mountain MS Center, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I went to see him and and he basically told me, you know, 80% of MS patients end up severely, significantly disabled within 10 years of diagnosis. And here I was two weeks before my 30th birthday and learning that I was gonna be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40. That is disheartening. And that was 20 years ago, is that right? That was 20 years ago. And it is amazing to me because they're going after Pat, the past of everything that they've done, and they just kind of make a broad swatch. Oh, you're probably going to be in this. Oh, you have primary progressive. You're going to be in a wheelchair in seven months. This is going to happen. And it almost sets that your wish is my command inside your brain. And so your choices, your mood, your all of that, it starts to craft that almost out of your own control. It's true. It's true. And on the wall of his office, still to this day, he has this chart that says basically the progression of MS. And it's just this downhill slope. Yeah. And I'm like, that is the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Right. You just got diagnosed with the disease, <laughs> but it's going to slowly, very slowly, cripple you i i don't think that's right i don't think that's right to put anybody under that level of fear without giving them hope or options right for some other individuals that are diagnosed with disease they say oh we have this treatment that can help you in there and this is what frustrated me is when even when they said share treatment options the success rate was so negative. It was like this is 27% of the patients. And oh, by the way, 38% of the people that took this, it made them worse. Right. Like, so you guys are guessing. I'm like, I'm your guinea pig now. Right. 10 years later, I went to see Dr. Vollmer again. And the big reason why my father likes him so much is because he's all into like the latest research and clinical trials. Sure. And, and so he tells me, he said, oh, we have a couple more drug options that you can choose to take. And he said, I really think this one is, is the most promising. And I looked at him, well, what are the side effects? And he's like, well, uh, liver damage, brain damage, heart damage. I'm like, are you saying the side effects are total system shutdown? Yeah. That doesn't sound like good odds. Right. Not when, and, and that's the crazy part is you looking at it and you're like, you mean I'm, I could take this and it could shut my liver down? Or I could, I could die? Take this and <laughs> I could go through massive heart failure? Like, I, <laughs> I, like I, I don't know, like I'm not really fired up about those options. And what's crazy is the other options that are out there, they don't introduce it to you. No. There's no science behind it. Right, and I say to him, I said to him, 
uh, that second visit said, well, but look, what if I change my diet and my lifestyle and I exercise my body and my mind? Can I delay this? And he says, well, you may stay up here for a little while longer, like you seem to be doing now. Mm-hmm. He said, but you're still going to go on that downhill slide and end up at the very bottom like everybody else with MS. Come on. <laughs> That's crazy. And and also, I mean, your father's a neurologist. So at some point, it's you can't really have a conversation with dad and say, hey, dad, I'm thinking about doing this being a trained neurologist and a practicing neurologist, he's like, you're crazy. I, I imagine the conversation that you had at home. Right. So my father was very insistent that I start on one of the disease modifying therapies. Mm-hmm. And in 1999, there were three. There was yep. um, beta seron, Avonex, and Copaxone. Yep. And I chose Copaxone at the time because it seemed to me the least toxic. Um, However, so I was on Copaxone on and off for about five years. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I had constant hives all over my entire body. A good day was 30 hives. A bad day was 300 hives. Oh, my. There were days my face would be so distorted, I couldn't leave the house. It was unrelenting. And of course, when I call the the drug manufacturer hotline, they say, well, that's not one of our side effects. And so really that is what started me off on trying to find a different solution. I'm like, well, if it's not the drug and if I have to keep taking this drug because I have this MS and the doctors Mm -hmm. say there's no other alternative, what else could be giving me these hives? Exactly. And so that's really what started me off on changing my diet, changing my environment, researching into what I was putting in my body. And at the end of it all, um, <laughs> the drug itself started giving me convulsions every time I injected. And it was supposed to be a daily injection. Oh. And I would literally, the needle would still be in my body and I would go into a convulsion for about 20 to 40 minutes. A and 20 so, to 40 minute convulsion. Oh, it was horrible. Oh my horrible. God. Horrible. And um, so finally I decided on my own. I said, you know, I'm going to see maybe this is just too much for my body. I mean, they do these clinical trials and they give everybody the same amount at the same schedule. Mm-hmm. How here I am 120 pounds. How could I get the same dosage as a 300 pound man? I did that just doesn't seem right to me. Right. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll just take it every couple days instead of every day. But Mm -hmm. that didn't slow it down. And then finally, I just said, you know what, my body is really telling me it does not want this drug. And so I stopped doing the drug and the hives went away and I stopped going into convulsions. And I did everything else. I already was already on my journey toward a cleaner life um, at that point. And that I think made a difference too. And during this time, like the convulsions and everything, what's going through your mind at this time? What's going through your head? You know, it was really frustrating because here, just like you said, the efficacy of these drugs is under 30%, really. Right. And I was still having regular MS exacerbations at a rate of about one every 11 months. 
And okay. for me, they would last like six to eight weeks each time. So sure. um, I was like, well, I'm taking the drug. Why am I still having why am I still having relapses? Yeah. And the doctors would say, well, the drug doesn't stop you from having relapses. It, it just hopefully slows them down. And I thought, you know, this, there's something that's just not right about anything. And all of these mm -hmm. drugs, their goal is to suppress and shut down or circumvent the immune system. But right. I think I need my immune system and I want it to be working. Um, I just don't want it to be hyperactive, which is yeah. kind of what happens in MS. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is, you know, you, you play that game back and forth. Your immune system is attacking you, but then those that have actually improved, like take a look at like a Dr. Terry Walls out of Iowa City, who boosted her immune system and adjusted her diet, went from being bedridden to riding a bicycle. Right. So then you read something like that, you're like, does it make sense to boost my immune system and support it the way so my body can heal the way that it should? Right, wow. right. So my feeling was that I wanted to figure out how to work with my body, mm -hmm. not to shut down part of my body. Yeah. And to do that, that's when I really started realizing and recognizing that we live in such a toxic world mm -hmm. and our bodies are just being assaulted with chemicals and synthetic um, foodstuffs and all sorts of things. Yeah. And not to mention Dr. Terry Walls's approach, which was that we were becoming deficient in a lot of these micronutrients because mm -hmm. of our, our diet that has become so decrepit. Yeah. Um, so that was really the direction that I wanted to go in. And then as I went along and started learning more and more about how the human body works and taking more courses, that's when I really started to learn about those T cell reactions. Yes. And I know you wanted to talk about those and I absolutely want to talk about yeah. those because any MS doctor will tell you MS happens when your T cells go rogue, mm -hmm. when this subset of white blood cells go off and start reacting for unidentifiable reasons, right? right? Which is why we call it autoimmune. We say mm -hmm. auto to itself and immune, you, you become immune to yourself, mm -hmm. which makes no sense. That's not how the body is designed to nope. function. The body, human body is designed to survive no matter right. what. That is the strongest drive we have in our body is that survival. Mm -hmm. So, as I became uh, more educated about these things and I discovered this food sensitivity testing and I decided I wanted to become certified, a certified LEAP therapist it's called, mm -hmm. um, which would was a 40 hour course that would teach me how to read the results of this food sensitivity testing, the specific food sensitivity testing and interpret them so I could design a customized oleoantigenic diet or mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory diet. Yes. So part of the course required that I go to um, the Johns Hopkins Medical School website and watch these animations that showed what happens in hypersensitivity reactions. Okay. So it goes to hypersensitivity one reactions, um, 
which are basically anaphylaxis. Those are what happens when people eat peanuts and they swell up and die. Yep. Um, hypersensitivity, type two hypersensitivity reactions, like which can be, can may or may not create antibodies. Um, they're kind of unreliable. Um, type three hypersensitivity reactions, which also may or may not create antibodies, but I look at them more like uh, digestive issues like lactose intolerance, lact intolerance mm -hmm. issues. And then type four hypersensitivity reactions, which is where um, it's non, um, what am I trying to say? It's not, doesn't create antibodies, but it does release mediators, which create inflammation in the body. Yep. So I was watching this animation and in the animation, they say, okay, so the food goes in your mouth and it comes down to your stomach. And when it gets in your stomach, there's uh, some receptors on the lining of the stomach that, that assess the food and send that information across the stomach border to be assessed by a subset of white blood cells called T cells. And I was like, did he just say T cells? I think he just said T cells. I, I watched your video before I, you know, before when I, before I reached out to you and met you, I watched your video on this and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. And it's stuff that we both know from a side of, if you eat, for example, I imagine for me, it's gluten. If I eat gluten, give me an hour and I'm down. Like I really, my mood changes, my stomach and digestion changes. I no longer feel good. And I almost feel like I'm going into a relapse and I'm like, that had gluten in it. And it's just that gluten, just when it hits my body and that, you know, your receptors inside your stomach goes and takes a look at it. And when I read or when I watched that, it triggers those T cells. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Right. So the T cells are actually not going rogue. They're not being triggered by unidentifiable sources or by our own body, there are actually triggers that we can identify. And if we can identify those triggers and then avoid them, we yeah. can avoid the infl inflammation that is the hallmark of MS or any other autoimmune disease. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the prevalence of MS in Western cultures, you know, developed countries and Western cultures that put chemicals in their food, they severe genetic modification. Let's just take a look at glyphosate that's sprayed on our grain. I mean, Monsanto changed our grain molecule to be Roundup ready. And so they have to spray Roundup on the grain molecule or the grain itself to get it to actually germinate and grow. And then right before harvest, two weeks before harvest, they spray glyphosate again, aka Roundup, to dry out the grain so it's easier to harvest. But every time they do this, we're ingesting it. And then take it another level, that's what our animals are eating. And I think we talked a little, about, little bit about this when I first met you, is when you look at just take pork, what pigs, what they allow pigs to eat is really just all those harmful chemicals that we try to avoid as MS patients, or as just, we should avoid them as just human beings, period. But really they're feeding it to our cows, they're feeding it to our pigs, and then we eat pork and then we wonder why your stomachs get upset when we eat a pork-based item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's absolutely a big part of it is that we have we have really adulterated so much of our food supply, especially in this country, because we're so far removed really from where our food comes from. Yeah. And this was a big thing that I talked about in my 2014 TED talk that got me flagged was this whole idea of GMOs and Roundup and, and all these chemicals that are in our food supply that really nobody is watching out for our health. There's oh. nobody at the FDA who's approving these chemicals. In fact, what was the latest figure I saw? Something like there's 18,000 chemicals in our food supply and only like 150 of them have even actually been tested. Yep. That, and I haven't heard as large as 18,000, but I've definitely heard a very large number in the fact of how many chemicals they actually turn a blind's eye to. So many. Right, right. It's disgusting. And Europe is a lot better about that. And yeah. in fact, I have a lot of, of clients and friends who can go to Europe and tolerate the wheat there yep. because they don't use Roundup in Europe and they don't, uh, they don't allow genetically modified organisms either. You look at Russia and China, that's actually outlawed to do it. So they don't want to poison their, their, they're citizens. And so they're just like, no, you're not doing that to our food. And so, yeah, it becomes very scary. So when I, in my early adventure, I became a part of the Bionutrient Food Association. And one of the stats they shared is that our vegetables themselves conventionally grown. This is just on the soils and we have, our soils are dead. We have no more live soils. And as it was described to me that a, an Iowa farmer that was giving its talk and they showed him walking out in the middle of his field that was conventionally done, that his family had already done, that had always done, and he dug a two-foot hole with a shovel. There was only one worm that he found. The rest of them were dead. And they just weren't there. They weren't available. And then he walked over to his other spot of land that he's now started to do soil regeneration, and he dug it up, and there were hundreds in there. He goes, healthy soils have bugs and microbes and microorganisms. And those microorganisms get sucked up by the vegetable. And it actually makes and allows our vegetable to be nutrient dense with, you know, the flavonoids that are in there. And it actually increases the flavor profile. So when I'm coaching individuals to go organic, yeah, you could see on the edge of the field where there could be less, but you're actually getting a more nutrient dense vegetable as conventionally grown could be up to 80% less nutrient dense than the vegetables your parents eat. It's true. And so many of our conventional foods are genetically modified. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, this is if you, if you are rolling the dice and just picking up a regular green pepper, Mm -hmm. um, odds are very high if it's a conventional, not an organic green pepper, it is genetically modified. Yep. Sadly, it is. I mean, you take a look at just rice today, the amount of arsenic in rice, because the, predominantly they're growing it in Texas, which those fields are just riddled with arsenic. And of course, the plant grows and it pulls up those toxins out of the soil. Right, right, right. Yeah, but it is, that is really terrifying that when you look at it, but have you noticed when you flipped your diet and started to change it, did you start feeling better? 
I did. So I, I started learning, and this was way back in 1999 after my diagnosis. One of the first things that I did um, in trying to figure out what was going on is something that was based on my then fiance, what he said to me. He was a, a serious competitive athlete. He actually was like sixth in the world as a snowshoer at the time, wow. played everything, you know, and he said, you know, your diet, I bet something is going on with your diet. Your diet's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, the, at that point that was, I was 29 years old and I had lived basically the decade of my twenties on my own in my apartment. And my staple foods were crystal light diet Coke and gummy bears. Amen. <laughs> That's an every 20 year old, like, yeah, that is the 20 year old diet. I love it. So I thought, you know, maybe he has a point. And that's when I started learning about organic foods. And he would, um, again, he lived three hours away. So he would come to visit and he'd be like, why, why are these eggs not organic? And he would throw them out. And I'd be like, oh, you know, well, the organic ones were more expensive. He's like, don't eat non-organic eggs. Right. And he just got me little kind of a little by little as started off going down that path. Mm. And so, yes. Um, in fact, now I can say that my last serious MS exacerbation was in 2002. Congratulations. And that is, you know, and there is a report I just read last night on a woman that got all of her brain lesions to go away. I mean, they, her brain rehealed itself on a paleo based diet, going organic, getting rid of all the chemicals that are in our food stream that are out there. Because it's not just the chemicals in the food. I mean, you take a look at water. Water, the amount of chemicals in our water itself. If you're drinking tap water, just think of Flint, Michigan, what happened there. They're doing just not as severe levels to catch the attention like they did in Flint, but they're still noticing traces of pharmaceutical agents within actual just standard tap water. And we ingest oh, absolutely. it. We give it to our children. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things that I did once I started to become aware of that was put a whole house filter into my house mm -hmm. so that we filter all the water that comes in from the source. Mm -hmm. One of the things I had noticed was that when I would fill up the bathtub to to bathe my kids when they were little, it would just smell like a, like a pool. It was so much chlorine and yeah. chlorine when it's cold is kind of non-reactive, but when it's heated up and as a vapor and you inhale it, mm. that's really not good for human beings. And so as soon as we put in that whole house filter, that solved that problem as well. And then we additionally filter any drinking water on top of that. You have to. I mean, in this day and age, and especially living in a town, or even the sad part about it is if you're even getting well water, the water seepage that's coming off of farm fields now. I mean, you saw it, we saw it uh, a couple of years ago when they had the red algae coming off the Mississippi down into the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. That is directly related to the amount of phosphorus and the amount of chemicals that they're putting into our soils and that soil runoff that is actually hitting the Mississippi and dropping down. Yeah, we are slowly killing our planet 
and it starts with the soil that we have because that's where we get our healthy food. And if we don't have healthy food, this is going to exasperate to disease that we both became succumbed to. And we needed the trigger of stress or trigger of, you know, we had healthy diet and then that other trigger stress that comes in, or you put another trigger with pharmaceuticals or anything, one of it, it becomes almost like the perfect storm. And then right. we look right. at it, it starts to control us. Then we go to our doctor and our doctor's like, well, we can give you this drug that's only 27% effective in solving it. And we're like, what do we do? And it puts us through this mass amount of fear and like, oh, if I don't, I'm going to end up here and I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. But what if the drug doesn't work for you? Or it makes you worse. Exactly. And then once again, it perpetuates. And then every little feeling you have. So let's say you haven't stopped gluten. And you, we, like for you and I to eat gluten, we'd look at it and be like, oh my God, that's going to make me, no way. Why would I put that into my body? I don't want to feel terrible. So then for the individual that doesn't know that, they step into it and they eat gluten and they follow their normal regime of eating this stuff. And in their mind, it's like, well, it must be the MS. It must be this. And they just label it as that. And then it puts them down this spiral downward. And especially if the drug doesn't work, if it doesn't I think it. you're absolutely right. So two things I wanted to share from that. Um, one is that there's this tolerance threshold that every person has. And I like to think of it like this bucket. We have this bucket and we can put all these assaults on our body and all these insults from pharmaceuticals or even pain relievers or uh, toxins in our foods or um, artificial sweeteners or parasites. All of these assaults can go into this bucket and we can tolerate them until that bucket fills up and then starts overflowing. And that's when we tip over into autoimmunity and symptoms that we can't figure out. So we have to remember that most, if not all symptoms are due to inflammation. Mm -hmm. So it's those triggers, whatever is triggering that inflammation in your body, that if we can identify and remove and drop that level in our bucket our tolerance bucket and return to a place below that tolerance threshold, mm -hmm. then we can pretty much feel normal unless we keep adding to that bucket and tip right. over again. Right. And you look at those, that inflammation, it, you know, you're looking at food, you're looking at, look at the amount of stress we have as a society in Western culture today where we feel like we're not enough. Oh, you mean you're not Mark Zuckerberger? You didn't make $30 billion building a program. You didn't do this. Oh, you haven't done that yet. And so even as a, you know, we're both parents. I mean, as a parent, we feel bad. Did we do enough for our kids? Did I do this? And go back 40 years, those stressors still existed, but the bucket filled, the bucket filled with poor food. And then the stress just added to the bucket. And then just even the air we breathe today. I mean, we're both in Denver. All you got to do is get up high enough and look at Denver and you see this brown cloud over Denver, you know there's pollutants in the air. And so with all of that, it just fills the bucket again. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love how you created that visual. So with everything that you've done and all that you've gone, 
what is the number one thing you have learned in your journey? The number one thing I have learned is that we each have power over our own health and therefore our own future and that we shouldn't give away our power to doctors and wait on them to dole out pharmaceuticals or not, or to tell us if we can stop taking these pharmaceuticals or not. We need to change the paradigm of looking at doctors like they are gods and recognize that each person has a responsibility to make their own decisions and their own choices to improve their health or not. And that that is within our own power. And that is hugely empowering and brings so much hope, right? Because it's not just capricious. It's not just something that's going to happen to you. You can take actions to change your future and make life better for yourself. That is so beautifully said. I and agree 100% on that statement. I may eventually at some point, probably today, I'll be quoting you in regards to that because <laughs> I, I could not have said it better. That is it, is, and we do, we hold doctors on pedestals because they do help us. But let's go back a hundred years, a hundred years, nobody went to the doctor. They were petrified of them because doctors meant you got sicker, ended up in an insane asylum, or you ended up dead. Or they chopped you up and then yeah. you got infected. Because <laughs> they were practicing medicine. Now they're still practicing medicine today. Now granted, we have learned a lot more, but I don't think it gives any doctor or gives the actual patient the right to actually hold them on that pedestal like you had mentioned is really saying, okay, I have to do my own research. I have to take a look at this from my own logical side and say, is this right? And so, yeah, and I think MS is one of those things that it becomes a wake up call for so many of us to say, hmm, I should become aware of what I'm doing and what toxins I am putting into my bucket and how I'm filling my bucket full of toxins in today's day and age. So, and to what you were saying too, how can I reduce my stress and rebalance my body? Yeah. And so that's why things like yoga and meditation are so helpful to people with MS mm -hmm. is to be able to take that time and step out of that rat race and reevaluate the way you want to show up in ah. that rat race. I mean, the body wants to remain in homeostasis. The body wants to remain healthy. We have evolved, we, have, we are here today because our bodies are incredible machines of health. And this is really what it wants to drive to constantly and really be into that state. But when we step out of that and we start feeling bad, I think that our mindset and our perpetual cycle starts to lead us down that road as well. So yeah, it, there's so many things that we can do to help ourselves. And it all really begins with just loving ourselves. It's taking that step and saying, you know what? I love myself so much that I'm willing to not eat that anymore and to change my habits over here. I'm willing to take the time and meditate in the, sport, in the morning, go get a massage, take this, you know, the, those moments within our life where we really begin to appreciate who we are as human beings. 
and take that responsibility, that personal mm. responsibility for our own future. That's it. Because we have so much more. You have two kids. They're in high school, same as me. Like, I want to be able to walk my daughter. I mean, not wheel down the aisle. I want to walk her down the aisle. I want to go on hikes with my wife in beautiful parts of this world, not in a wheelchair being inhibited of living my ultimate life. And so it's almost taking, like you said, taking that responsibility for ourselves and saying, you know what, this is what I want. And this is where I'm going. Yep. And saying, I don't accept that diagnosis. And I'm going to try to figure out the root cause of what's going on in my body instead of just saying my body's allergic to itself. I guess it doesn't matter because really I think that whole concept is completely flawed. Bodies are not allergic to themselves. No, they are not at all. So with everything that you've learned, experienced, done for yourself, what are you aiming for now? And your cookbook, by the way, awesome. It is just one of those things that really starts it for those that really are wanting to figure out how to cook and cook for a family as well and cook a, a healthy meal for your family. Um, it is a, an, a road to get there. And it's such an awareness point with all of the recipes that you have. So what are you aiming for now? What's the next adventure, Elizabeth? <laughs> well, I'm so excited to talk about this because I have, um, I'm launching, it's called the Holistic Health and Wellness Collective, and it is a center for people to come and learn about alternative methods of improving their health and get little sample bites of things. And, and there's a tre treasure trove of recipes that are adaptable for any dietary restrictions. Yeah. So you can still have breads, even if you're gluten-free, you can still have muffins, even if you can't have dairy, all these different um, recipes that you can uh, bring into your life that don't interfere with health. And to kick this off, I am hosting a holistic whole, see if I can say this now, holistic health and wellness forum on April 17th. And I would love it if any of your, um, your listeners or watchers are interested in coming, they can just go to holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, health and wellness forum, F-O-R-U-M.com and sign up right now for our first launch, our first event on April 17th. Awesome. And in the show notes, definitely, if you're listening to the podcast, definitely go to that website and check it out. You'll also see that if you actually go into the podcast notes as well, you'll see that link in the podcast notes, or if you're watching this on YouTube right now, or on Vimeo, you'll be able to, um, the link should be right there underneath it. Go to the link, join us, because I'm signing up. I'm going to it, because you look at all of this. this these are the things that you know, think of it as like just a step, a step towards the direction of feeling better, a step in the direction of where can I get this information? What should I know? Because it may seem overly complicated right now, or it may be so big in your mind. And I know Elizabeth and her wisdom and everything that she's going to do, she's going to put it down into pieces that are bite-sized and there'll be pieces that you can take away from and that you can walk away with feeling better. 
You're exactly right, Matt. I really feel like I spent the last 20 years searching out alternative protocols and therapies and healings. And I don't want people to have to spend 20 years to pull all this information together. So right. that's that's really the the objective of this collective is to bring all this information around and be kind of a one-stop shop for learning about all sorts of different methods because really just like you Matt and me there's not just one solution for each person right. there's it's a combination of things that resonate with you and work for you and maybe it's meditation and diet and maybe it's um jazzercise and um yoga or whatever it is but you're never even going to know about these things if you're not if you don't learn about them you're not exposed to them and don't have a chance to try them out yeah, it's so well said. I love it. So to end the podcast, I do have a couple of questions that I ask everybody that's on the podcast. So um, what is the most inspirational and favorite quote or saying for you? The most inspirational or favorite quote or saying, I have so many mottos I could bring into this. Um, but one of them is that if you don't start, if you don't take that first step and start, you'll never get there. Yep. Oh, you have to start so the journey to go down the road. You can't just wish you were already there. Mm -hmm. When I was 40 and I decided, or no, I guess I was uh, 36 mm -hmm. and I decided I wanted to get a doctorate. And I thought, I'm not even going to be done till I'm 40. I, what am I even thinking? But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take this class and that class and go step by step. And then before you know it, I had that degree. Oh, that's awesome. But you have to take the step. You have to take that first step. Yep. And, and so many times we have no idea where that step's going to lead. But if it's in a positive direction, it's going to lead you to where you want to go. I love that you said that. So what is something you know to be true? So you know it to be true yet no one believes you. That health is all about inflammation. Mm. That yes. The root of every health issue is in inflammation. And if you go down, even a lot of the medical terminology or diagnoses, appendicitis, anything that ends in an itis, optic neuritis, that just means inflammation. That's just descriptions. Yeah. And so if we focus on the inflammation and moving that inflammation out of the body, regardless of how it's manifesting, mm -hmm. that's the secret to health. Yeah. Very, very, very well said. Yes. I, I can't agree more with everything you just said. The key to health is reducing inflammation and it comes from so many areas. So Elizabeth, when do you experience joy? When do I experience joy? Well, it's pretty joyful to have my little puppy on my lap right now, I have to awesome. say. <laughs> um, but honestly, one of the things that brings me joy a lot or very much is dancing. And um, it makes me very sad when I can't dance, when I'm not feeling like I can dance. So being able to keep dancing, even yeah. in spite of this diagnosis, is a big part of the joy in my life. Oh, and when we experience that joy, how good do we feel in those moments? 
to take yeah. that little bit of time to slow down to dance yeah to do whatever it is for you and so this has been an unbelievable journey this has been an unbelievable experience interviewing you and thank you so much for telling your story to everybody that listens Hey, Matt, it was such an honor for me to come on your podcast and to meet you and get to know you. And I wanted to offer your listeners one more little additional benefit or bonus, I should say. And if anyone who's listening would like to have a complimentary naturopathic health assessment with me and talk about the actual steps that they can take to improve their health starting immediately, they can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash, um, yeah, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-Y assessment, E-Y-A-S-S, okay. E-S-S-M-E-N-T. Um, and I'll make sure it's in the show notes down below. So, yeah, <laughs> with all that, I know how that goes. Yes. Oh and my then, God, thank um, you so much. That is incredible. That is awesome. It is really such a joy for me to, to speak directly to people who are ready to take those steps to change yeah. their health and their future. Right. And remember, you don't need to know where you're going. You don't need to know the whole journey. Just take that first step with Elizabeth and have her give you a little tidbit of education. And I know from my own experience, you will walk away feeling better. You will walk away being in control and that awareness of, no, I'm going to avoid that because this makes me feel this way. And I'm going to do this because I feel like I'm thriving and I feel like I'm doing better as a result. And so, yeah. to get some hope. There's so much, so yes. many down things in this life, so many downers that steal our hope away. Mm. Don't buy into that. There is hope. No matter for how you're feeling now, you can be feeling better. It's possible. It's within your power. 100%. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your wisdom today. It has been beautiful. Matt, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you all for listening today. And I hope you left inspired. This show is made possible by great sponsors and followers like you. And if you want to know how to become a sponsor, please visit the contact page at identityofhealth.com. And while you are there, sign up for our newsletter and pre-order your copy of Identity of Health. Now, all pre-orders receive a personally signed copy by me, Mavro. Remember, you are good enough to heal anything, and I hope you give yourself permission 